We're all in business for a reason. The problem that so many small business owners have is that they go in 10 million different directions, not really sure which way to go. Listen as your team of experts, Jennifer Glass, Daniel McCrane, and Patricia Rezzatillo, go through what you need in your business to really make it stand out and benefit you. Because it's the bottom line that matters. Hello and welcome to another episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast, where we are dedicated to your success. For a lot of people, we know that in physical spaces, especially here in the United States, there is a requirement that your plant, in whatever form that is, needs to be accessible to those with disabilities. That means that if you've got steps, there's got to be an accessible access to get into your building for those in wheelchairs. If you are displaying video or audio, there has to be translation or interpreter services available for those that need it. However, did you know there's also something for the web that necessitates you being offering the same kind of tools to those people that are looking at your website. And so as I bring Daniel and Patricia, as I bring the two of you in, let me ask you, other than simply saying, let's have the nice thing to do of connecting people and saying, hey, welcome to my site. Why should we care about those with disabilities coming onto our site? They got money too. They deserve to. <laughs> uh, there's the obvious reason. <laughs> well, they, yes. deserve to, they deserve to access the information that we are sharing. Whether Do you know that there's an actual statistic though that says about 25% of your visitors may have some sort of disability. Oh, I wouldn't Which be is incredible to think about. Yeah. I mean, if 25% of your potential visitors have some sort of disability and you're not making your content and your website accessible to them, that is giving up a lot. Yeah. It's giving up a lot of potential customers. And it's also, if we don't make that available, it's also potentially creating a, like a second-class citizen status. Yeah. Of people with disabilities, which uh, obviously would not be anyone's intention. No one would want anything like that. So it's important, Jennifer, and I know this is where you're going. It's important that we do consider what those disabilities mean when someone is viewing content online. And an easy one to think about would be people with um, sight-related disabilities. So not full-on blindness, but difficulty seeing. And so for a long time, uh, internet browsers have been able to show things at larger text and sometimes even in black and white uh, to help with some of those um, sight disabilities. But I know that there's more to it. And Jennifer, you've done more research than either of us on what some of those other uh, disabilities are and how they affect reading something on a screen so 
fill us in, Jennifer, what else, <laughs> what other kind of issues are there uh, that people encounter uh, reading something on a screen? And uh, I, I can come in for, too with a, a teaching background and talk a little bit about uh, learning disabilities and how that affects screen reading. But uh, what have you learned recently, Jennifer? Absolutely. And I'm going to just steal a little bit of your thunder, Daniel, in terms of dyslexia. Mm -hmm. as it relates to what somebody may be looking at on the website. And that is, if somebody is dyslexic, we know that they have problems reading, they'll trans, uh, transpose words, letters, things along those lines, in terms of trying to really figure out the languaging of what's on your page. And there's ways that you can make the characters stand out in a way that really is designed to help them. There's also those people with epilepsy that if there's animation on your page may actually cause an epileptic seizure. There's those with cognitive disabilities that have a hard time separating out all of the different pieces that are on your site. Somebody is ADHD. They may be looking all over at everything all at once, but if you can have a ruler basically Here's the lines that you're on. I remember when my kids were younger, I used to have to do that with them as we did our reading homework. Because one day my daughter is reading and she starts reading a word from another line. I'm like, where do you see that? Because I'm reading the text and I don't see what it was that she was reading. And it dawned on me, what if we covered over all of the other lines and we only showed the line that she was supposed to be reading well once we did that her reading dramatically improved and she wasn't getting all of those other things and there's ways that we can do that online too but it's also though dana you were mentioning some of the information behind the scenes for those of you without getting too into the geek speak there's the alt tags as an example that we include with images, telling what the image is about. Not only is it good for those people with disabilities, but it's also good for Google because Google can't really see what the image is, right? And when we talk Google, we mean all search engines, not just Google, <laughs> um, but any adaptive screen reader, any search engine, anything that is pulling content is not able to see what an image is. But if you can tell me what it is, then all of a sudden it's a lot different. And there's certain requirements. Like if it's simply a line that separates the screen, you don't need to have a description because it's design. It's not a core element that somebody needs to know. So that becomes something that we're talking about in terms of that necessity to know. The other thing, by the way, also is, and we mentioned the search engines, the search engines love when you are inclusive, right? You make your site accessible to all and you're more inclusive because they don't wanna be losing people either, right? Why would they send traffic to a site that they know is not gonna be in a position to say, yes, we like the information here, when the 25% of your audience may not be in a position to even engage or consume with that content. And so there's a lot of that value. Right. And, you know, Google wants to 
reward better websites with higher placement. Exactly. So if you're, you know, compliant in these ways, then they're like, yeah, okay, we give you a point up here. <laughs> or yes. however many points their algorithm gives you, I don't know. <laughs> and again, it goes back, you know, here's the thing. There's something called the WCAG, the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. And when your site is in compliance with the WCAG requirements, you're going to be a lot better. There are things that you can do as you're building your site for sure to make your site more accessible. There's also widgets that you can use that are AI driven that allow for you to have an AI system to give a lot more of those tools to you as well. But again, a lot goes back to just simple architecture. How are you building the site? Is everything done correctly behind the scenes so that you're going to be better without even necessarily needing that widget? Jennifer, I think it's important that not only do we talk about the benefits and um, the, the citizenship behind why we would want to be inclusive of those with disabilities who are coming to our website, I think it's also important that we mention the risk about not being compliant with these uh, guidelines that you just mentioned. And uh, just as has been going on for a long time since the Americans with Disabilities Act was first signed, where there were some people out there who made their living by finding a shop, uh, finding a plant, as you were talking about earlier, Jennifer, that was not compliant and then suing that company the same is beginning to happen online. Mm -hmm. So there are people out there, and I don't necessarily agree with their ethical motive, uh, but they are making a living at finding websites that are not compliant with these guidelines and bringing a lawsuit against them. And, and Jennifer, you threw out a statistic the other day that was just mind-blowing what the average lawsuit is against those websites and those companies. Do you recall? Do you recall the statistic you found? What's the average lawsuit? So, right, the average lawsuit is between three and five hundred thousand dollars. That's being filed with an expected settlement north of fifty thousand dollars. And just think, there is no website out there that would cost that much. But this is what it's costing some businesses not to be compliant with the guidelines. There are websites that could cost that much, but most small business owners aren't probably going to have them. <laughs> no, no. So if you want to think about budgeting for your website, would you rather budget for a potential lawsuit or would you rather budget to bring your uh, website compliant with the guidelines? Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing also, while we're talking about that and not to scare you, but also there's potential um, tax credits that may be available for the work that you do to make your site compliant. Again, you have to talk with your tax advisor. We're not giving you any legal or tax advice on this show. We're simply giving you information and we strongly encourage you to talk with your appropriate uh, representatives that can <laughs> give you more guidance, your advisors. But when it comes down to the tax credits, that are available here in the United States for those that are in a qualifying level with the IRS. There's a lot that we can potentially be looking at though that can say, well, 
can we offset the cost and make this better for everyone? And there's the value from the search engines. And there's also, again, like Daniel was saying, protecting yourself from the people who are looking just to file suits. There have been many, many um, instances of major names that have been sued. One of the things, as an example, the Justice Department went against many uh, drugstores because their websites were not easy to use for those with disabilities, especially during the COVID pandemic when we needed access to getting the vaccines. If somebody wasn't able to interact or engage with the site, and that was the only way that you can make an appointment, how is that supposed to work? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I tried getting a vaccine at my pharmacy and they said, no, you can't talk to us in the store. You have to go online. And if their website is not in a compliant manner, how does that even work? I mean, do you have your caretaker to be in a position to do that? Many people that are disabled don't necessarily have caretakers. And if their children are too young to know how to use the web, or their spouse is not available and they don't have someone else immediately there. I mean, to have to ask someone to go across the street to their neighbor just so that they can schedule a vaccine appointment is a little absurd. Think about that though for your business too. If you're selling, just as an example, a roofing company and you're trying to talk to seniors that need a new roof, are they gonna go and ask their grandkid help me navigate the page? Or are they simply going to say it's not worth it? Yep. Uh, that definitely starts to get into some other issues about uh, how many ways should you be available uh, to your target audience? What's their preferred way to buy? Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and so why not go ahead and take the same approach to designing your website, making your website accessible, whether your target audience happens to be disabled or not, but go ahead and make those decisions. How can you make yourself accessible to all of your target audience who might want to buy from you? And that includes making your website ADA compliant as well. Absolutely. So as we wrap up our conversation and Patricia, I'm going to turn to you. Final thoughts, please. Well, just as it's just as important these days and maybe even more important, I don't know, for a person to be able to access your website as it is access your brick and mortar store. So many of us are shopping almost exclusively online. Um, and like she said, um, like somebody said, there's probably 25% of the population that's disabled. <laughs> I'd believe that. I really would. And those yeah, people some have... sort of handicap, disability, whatever. It's yeah. not necessarily that they're in a wheelchair, but they've got some sort of disability. There's, there's, there's things that if you aren't compliant with, 
it's going to prevent them from getting on your site and doing what they need to do. They deserve to have access to the information and to to your you know your products, your service, whatever. They they deserve that as much as the next person does. Absolutely. Daniel, any parting words? I will say that, um, Jennifer, you mentioned this a little bit earlier about different kinds of tools and things to make websites accessible. And there are some easy solutions. And I'll just put out a nudge here um, so that it doesn't feel uh, too awkward. But I will say, Jennifer has access to some very dirt cheap solutions. So I will say, reach out to Jennifer, she can get you connected, she can help you out if your website is currently not ADA compliant. Thank you for the plug. Wasn't expecting that, but thank you. <laughs> um, but it is, as Daniel was saying, really it's inexpensive to get your site compliant and to make sure that the work that you're doing is going to be there. One other thing that we didn't cover, and that was audio and video that's on your website. Make sure that you're also putting captions or the transcript. So that way everything is clear on what it is that you're doing. And that's something that no matter what you're doing should be there. Think about also the video that you put on social media. Sometimes people are at the office, they're on public transportation where they can't necessarily be listening to the audio and they don't have disabilities, but they can still consume what it is that you're saying because you've got the captions or the transcript right there on your video that you're putting out there. And so as you think about what you're doing, make sure that you're trying to really be as inclusive as possible and that way, more people are going to want to work with you, or at least know you. On that note, this has been another episode of uh, It's the Bottom Line That Matters. And until next time, here's to your success. Thanks so much for listening to another amazing episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast. We're all about helping the small business community grow and reaching as many people as we can. And the algorithms on the podcast programs love reviews. So if you loved what you just heard, consider leaving us a review. And even if you don't, I'm sure you already did, but consider sharing our episodes and our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Sharing is caring and here's to your success. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. It's the bottom line that matters.